I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and on this edition of our press review show, we're going to be discussing Arsenal's reported interest in Aaron Hickey and whether the Scottish international defender currently playing his football at Bologna in Italy would be a good fit for Mikel Arteta's side. We'll be touching on Thierry Henry's comments regarding William Saliba and his treatment from the club. We'll be discussing Roman and Abramovich supposedly wanting his loan repaid by Chelsea Football Club. We'll be talking a little bit about last night's Champions League action and some of the fallout from that, as well as taking lots of your questions and thoughts from the live chat box. Hope everybody is well. Uh, thank you to everybody in the live chat with us at the moment. Uh, big thank you to RB, who says, uh, great work, H, leading the gas tank the other day. Thank you so, so much, mate. Uh, and thank you for all the kind words uh, about that, because I did get a fair few of you. Uh, reaching out to me. It was the first time I, I gave the hosting uh, role a crack and it was um, it was good fun. Really, really enjoyed it. So um, thank you guys for tuning in because I spotted a few of you guys in the comments as well, uh, which was amazing as well. So thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart, honestly. Um, J04 says, Omri, legend of a player with awful football takes. We're going to get into that in a little bit more detail. Uh, big hello as well uh, to Alex. Uh, big hello to Junior Gunner, to Tezzy May, to Craig Tanner. Uh, big hello to uh, Selgius, who joins us and says, good evening from Melbourne and congratulations on reaching 20K. I have got a video coming out later on uh, this week where we'll be talking about the 20K thing. And, um, and I'll be giving you guys some proper thanks uh, in that video, which is coming up, as I say, a little bit later on this week. So looking very much uh, forward to doing that. Uh, big hello to Lee, who says, morning, all long time lurker. Uh, love that. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Matt Tomo's in the chat. Jid is in the chat. Lots of you. Uh, Lee Anthony. Um, thank you all so much for your kind words. And thank you all so much. Um, for your support. Uh, on, uh, Henry Gooner, I nearly said Henri because I've got that sort of in my mind. Uh, Henry Gooner says, Daniel XT boy with some shocking comments. Come on, you gunners. Look, you know what? I was going to... No, actually, let, let's park the Henri stuff. We'll come back to it. Let's start with Aaron Hickey uh, because that is a report uh, that is doing the rounds at the moment. That Arsenal have shown an interest in the Bologna defender and Arsenal have had a tendency, haven't they, of late, to go into... Um, to go into Bologna and into Italy uh, and look at defenders under Mikel Arteta. And we're now apparently looking at this 19-year-old uh, who's due to turn 20 next month and who's been dubbed as a real exciting prospect by many people who follow Italian football. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Aaron Hickey and a little bit about why I feel that he'd be a really, really good fit for the Arsenal. Um because there are a number of reasons. And I think it's important that we we focus on whether he'd be a good fit or not, um, as opposed to what that means for Nuno Tavares. I know a lot of people think that if we do go out and bring in somebody like Aaron Hickey, whose primary position is at left back, that would be the end of Nuno Tavares' time at Arsenal. And look, we will get transfers wrong. Um, we will go out, bring in players who we think are fit for purpose, who will prove at some point down the line that they're not ready 
or they're not good enough or they're not to the standard that we require at Arsenal Football Club. And that's part and parcel of doing transfer deals. I've said it time and time again. Those of you that have been following or listening uh, for a long, long time will know that every transfer window, one of my catchphrases is that there's no transfer that doesn't have an element of risk to it. They all do. And um, and sometimes you'll get them right and sometimes you'll get them wrong. The problem has been at Arsenal in the year, in the years gone by that some of the ones that we've got wrong have been really costly ones, i.e. £72 million on Nicolas Pepe. Now, again, this is not me digging out Nicolas Pepe or saying that he's not a good footballer because he is, but he certainly wasn't somebody that we should have been paying £72 million for, given the impact he's had. Easy to say that with hindsight, of course, um, but, you know, that's the, those are the facts. You look at somebody like uh, Shkodran Mustafi, who we paid 30-odd million pounds for, never lived up to that fee. Um, you know, and, and there's been a number of players that we've done that with over the years. So as long as the ones that you do get wrong are not too costly, then the overall picture, I think, can remain quite healthy. And you go back to the ones that Mikel Arteta's got wrong. I mean, Pablo Marie, you could argue he's got it wrong. Um, hasn't had the impact he would have liked currently on loan playing his football for Udinese. What did he cost? Eight, nine million pounds. Not the end of the world. Um, Cedric Suarez, free transfer. Uh, you know, you could argue that he's done a decent job of late. And I, I do think he has. But is he going to take us to that next level? No. Um, you know, you think about some of the others that, that Mikel's made. Willian coming in. Again, it was a free transfer. So there wasn't too much risk there. OK, we, we signed him up to a big contract and we gave him big, big bucks. But we were able to to cut that deal short, let him go. Um, he agreed to that as well. And a lot of credit needs to be given to William for that as well, for for saying, you know what, this is not for me. And regardless of, of the money I stand to earn over the next, next two seasons, I'm going to walk and I'm going to go and we can terminate this agreement um, and come to some sort of compromise. So fair play to William for that. But I think with Nuno Tavares, I think it's still a little bit early to say that he is finished at Arsenal or that he is someone that we should be looking to move out of the club ASAP. I think it's too early to say that. But I do think it's fair to say that defensively, there are concerns about him. There are concerns as to whether he can come in and deputise for Kieran Tierney over a long period of time. And unfortunately, Kieran Tierney is somebody who gets injured frequently. Unfortunately, he's somebody that we can't rely on from that point of view. We can't rely on him to stay fit and sharp over the duration of the season. He tends to break down at least two, sometimes three times. And that can be costly, particularly when the injuries are ones that keep him out for a sustained period of time. So to say that, you know, we need to be focused on that backup left back, who a lot of us thought Nuno Tavares was earlier in the season, um, is, is fair, given what I've just said about Kieran Tierney. But you look at Tavares and and I don't know, I, I'm dreading going to Spurs with Tavares at left back because of the fact that I think defensively he is so suspect. So why not look to right that wrong? Why not look to um, to enhance the squad? And why Aaron Hickey fits is because Aaron Hickey can cover not just at left back, but at right back too. He's a player who genuinely is two-footed and there's not many of them around anymore. Um, but he is certainly one of them. Um, and because of that, he can be the guy that backs up Tommy Asu, if you don't think Cedric's the man. 
but he can also be someone that backfills Kieran Tierney as well. It also gives us flexibility in the way we want to play because, you know, as you see for Scotland, Kieran Tierney is quite capable of tucking in field and becoming part of a back three, in which case you need another left back. So when I look at Aaron Hickey, and I've seen a fair amount of him being a, a big Serie A fan, I think he'd be a good fit. And at 20 million euros, which is what's being uh, sort of mooted at the moment in terms of price tag, I think that's very reasonable. So we're talking about a two-footed, versatile fullback who's about to turn 20. He is adventurous in the way he gets forward. I think you can see that if you look at his heat maps, you can see that he does spend a lot of time in the opposition half in the way that I'm sure Mikel Arteta would want him to. But he also is capable of tucking in and becoming a narrow fullback and playing quite closely to somebody like Gabriel, who I think, by the way, is suffering, um, you know, from uh, from having Nuno Tavares next to him. I really, really do. Um, I think that Aaron Hickey is someone who's unpredictable when he gets in the final third because he has that ability to check back inside onto that right foot, but also to go on the outside, whereas Tierney's always going to tend to go on the outside, whereas Tavares who is a little bit more unpredictable in the sense that he does sort of have the confidence to come in onto that right foot, very rarely delivers with that right foot. Uh, he normally ends up in Rosette um, when he tries an outrageous shot. Um, so I think that this feels like a good, sensible addition um, in terms of, of the squad that we're trying to build. And, and as I say, the fact that he can play on both sides is an added bonus because now... You know, a lot of people will argue that we need an upgrade on Cedric, even though he's done a, a very, very good job coming in and covering for Tomiyasu throughout this period of time where he's been out injured. I think most people would agree that we do need some more cover in that position. If I ask people what their top priorities are this summer, a lot of you will say striker, and that should rightly be number one for me. A lot of you will say midfield. And the next most popular position in terms of what I've heard and what I've been told is fullback. And... Aaron Hickey ticks both of those boxes because, he, as I say, he can play right and left. So you're almost killing two birds with one stone while still having Cedric in the squad, while still having Nuno Tavares. I've seen someone in the chat, I think it was Akene, who says, Harry, this is Nuno's first season. I don't know you to be an agenda person, but you are showing signs now. I'm disappointed. No, I'm, I've never said, Akene, that I want Nuno Tavares out. And I actually think Nuno Tavares is a decent wing back. I just don't think as part of a narrow back four, as part of a traditional back four, when we have our backs against the wall, that he's somebody I trust. And I was very sort of um, complimentary of him earlier in the season when I said that, you know, there was a few games he played in where we were the better side and we were the dominant side. And him getting forward and being, as I've described him earlier, unpredictable and having that ability to go one way or the other and never really sort of um, giving the defenders an indication as to what was going through his mind was a positive. It was a good thing. The way he can carry the ball when we're in trouble and get us up the pitch and give us a bit of breathing space like he did on numerous occasions in the second half of that West Ham game. These are all positives about Nuno Tavares. I, I'm not saying get rid of him. I'm not saying put him in the bin. But I am saying that we do need at least another fullback within the squad because of Tierney's injuries, because I'm not 100% about Cedric. And because I believe, and people may disagree, that Mikel Arteta sees Takahiro Tomiyasu as someone who he's going to pull on at centre-back as well. In which case, 
then you need cover at right back and you also need cover at left back. And and there's, there's just a need, in my opinion, for another fullback. So bringing this guy in doesn't mean get rid of Nuno Tavares, but I do think this guy's a good fit. I do think he's got all of the attributes that we're looking for. And I do think that for me, um, at 20 million euros, if that's what he's going to be sold for, we've got to be at the table. We've got to be discussing this one. I think that... Um, you know, I think that this is a, is a no-brainer. Um, Robert in the chat says, Nuno is way off the mark at the moment. He's a loose cannon. He can't be relied upon as the main backup. I completely agree. If you play half a season with Nuno Tavares at left back, there is a good chance that he costs you. And there is a good chance that he lets you down from a defensive standpoint. And it's clear that Mikel Arteta um, is going to need to think about that because as much as I love Kieran Tierney, and I do, I adore him, the reason I don't want him as the captain next season is not because I don't think he deserves it in terms of his ability, in terms of his attitude, in terms of all the things he brings to the team. It's because I don't want a captain that's going to spend a large proportion of the season on the sidelines. And Kieran Tierney is just unfortunately one of those players. Great when he's fit, great when he's available, but can you rely on him week in, week out? No, you can't. And so you need to have a reliable backup. Nuno Tavares has some qualities. The qualities that I've just previously mentioned, his unpredictability, his athleticism, his bravery in certain situations to just take the ball on and go and, and sort of catch people off guard and catch people um, by surprise. But I can't trust him to defend. I mean, I'm already nervous about going to Spurs with him at left back. And you can't deny that. It's not having an agenda towards the player. This is purely based on what we've seen on the pitch from him in recent weeks. And and to put it frankly, it hasn't been good enough. It hasn't been good enough for me to confidently say that I can trust him to play whenever Kieran Tierney is unavailable. And with Kieran Tierney, there's a good chance that we, um, you know, that we do need to pull on whoever our backup fullbacks are. You know, Spurs will target him, as Lynn says in the chat. There's no doubt about it. Lynn says, like you, Harry, when we go to Spurs, he will be targeted which will cause more problems, 100%. And it goes back to the knock-on effect it has on the rest of the defence. I said it before. You have seen Gabriel, I think, look a little bit nervous, look a little bit shaky in certain games because he feels like he needs to overcompensate. He feels like he needs to step out to that left-hand side to give Nuno Tavares that hand. And that has a knock-on effect on the rest of the defence. Now, with Tommy Asu in the team, it's easier because Tommy Asu is quite comfortable to shift across. He's quite comfortable in moving into like a right centre-back role in order to make it a back three and facilitate Gabriel going that little bit wider. But when Cedric was in the team, who is just a different type of fullback, it was a problem. Um, let me just take, uh, where is it? There was a question from Jid, three left-backs. Next, Gabriel gets injured and we'll be crying for backups for centre-back. We can't keep asking for cover every time a first-choice player in any position gets injured and the second isn't as great. But, Jid, this is the point. This is why Aaron Hickey is the fit. Because Aaron Hickey is not just a left-back. He's a right-back as well. And that means that you can bring in Tomiyasu into centre-back if you need to. He's more than capable of doing that. He's proven it throughout his career. In fact, he's played up until he joining Arsenal as a centre-back. He wasn't a right-back. He was playing right centre-back for Bologna. He played left centre-back for Bologna. He never played as a traditional 
fullback on the right-hand side. That's what Arsenal have asked him to do. That's what Mikel Arteta has asked him to do. And he's done a very, very good job of that. But the reason, I agree with you, I wouldn't go out and buy just another left-back if Nuno Tavares is going to stay at the club. But in Aaron Hickey, you've got someone who can play either side. So he essentially covers both sides. But then that frees up Tomiyasu to come in and play at centre-back. Now, I'm not sure what's going to happen with William Saliba. And we'll come on to talk about that in a minute when we go to Thierry Henry's comments on the matter. But can you say right now 100% that you're certain that William Saliba is going to come back and he's going to be happy with the role that is given to him by Mikel Arteta and Arsenal and that he's not going to leave? I don't think you can say that with any certainty at this moment in time. So it's not about going and bringing in another left-back. This is going in and bringing someone who could cover both fullback positions and then essentially frees up Tomiyasu, who we all know is a centre-back, to, to move into those positions if necessary. Um, you know, maybe Saliba will be there too. And great, we have even more depth. But at this point, I don't know that that's going to happen. So I don't want to rely on that. Okay. Let's, um, let's move on then. Let's discuss... Thierry Henry's William Saliba comments. In fact, before we do that, we're going to take a very, very short pause. But let me just quickly remind you uh, to make sure that you hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you are new. OK, let's do it. Thierry Henry has been having his say on Arsenal central defender William Saliba. Now, there's been a lot of speculation around his relationship with Mikel Arteta. That's William Saliba I'm talking about. Um, because, of course, he was unregistered. He was sent out on loan and he's never had a look in really um, under Mikel Arteta's uh, stewardship. So I think that when you um, I think that when you analyse this situation and you can analyse it until the cows come home, when I do it, I always come back to the same conclusion. And that conclusion is that William Saliba does not develop at the rate that he's developed and does not get the exposure that he's had this season if he had stayed at Arsenal. Because he, he's not, in my opinion, today, May the 4th, 2022, better than Ben White or Gabriel. Now, that's my opinion. You might disagree with that. I think that when you look at some of the errors and some of the poor games he's had, in France this season. And it's not all been bad. There's been a lot of, of good as well. But I think in the Premier League, those get way more exposed. They get way more spotlight. And then we're sitting here talking about a young man who's just not quite ready. So when I see that in Ligue 1, I worry about what he'll look like in the Premier League. Now, I'm not saying that he can't make that adaptation, that he can't make that transition, that he can't go on to be a very, very good centre-half. But I don't think he gets the game time or would have got the game time that he has at Marseille had he stayed at Arsenal. So is this loan move all bad? No, because whatever happens now, that loan move has done us a favour. Either William Saliba comes back a much better, much more experienced player, slots back into the squad and becomes part of Mikel Arteta's plans moving forward, in which case, happy days. We probably overpaid for him at the time. And now we've given him the opportunity to get up to speed before he's thrown in at the deep end. The other side is that if William Saliba now feels that he's ready to go and play and is ready to be guaranteed a starting position in the side somewhere, then Arsenal can recuperate the vast majority, if not all, of the fee that they paid for him. So actually, it's for me, I see it as a win-win situation. I really do. 
Now, that's not to say that the way Arsenal went about it was right, because it wasn't. To leave him unregistered was completely shocking. To then fail to find him a move, knowing that you're going to leave him unregistered, and leave him sitting on his ass for six months is awful management. No question about that. I've never said anything to the contrary. I think it's horrible. I, and I can understand why the player felt the way he did. And I can understand why a young man who you know gets a, a big move, I'm, I'm going to go and play for the Arsenal Premier League Giants, and then ends up getting treated like that, can be despondent, can be downbeat, can be disheartened and can feel a little bit sort of hard done by. But what I don't get and what I've never got is why so many Arsenal fans, and we've had this debate over and over again, so I don't wish to repeat myself too much, talk about him as if he's the next Tony Adams. Like, he's not there yet. He's not there today, let's be honest. So I don't think that this decision to send him out on loan and for him to play and for him to... um you know, get the experience that he needs and then be in a better position to decide one way or the other whether Arsenal's the place for him. If not, great, you've done well at Marseille. We can now ask for a 20, 25 million pound fee. This is this is my way of looking at it. Thierry Henry has taken another opportunity to have a dig at Arsenal. Now, you have to, first of all, separate Thierry Henry, the player, and Thierry Henry, the pundit. You've got to do that. It's really, really important because as a player, Thierry Henry, for me, is Arsenal's greatest ever. I've got one, two, three, three framed Arsenal pictures on the wall of Thierry Henry and a massive mosaic uh, on the wall over here of Thierry Henry. He is by far my favourite Arsenal player. Had everything, power, pace, skill. Um, that little bit of arrogance, that little bit of vavavoom, as he would say. He had it all. But as a pundit, do I have the same respect for him? No, I don't. Do I have the same respect for him as a coach? No, I don't. I think he's a failed coach. I think, like many before him, he thought that his status and his name would get him, you know, into what well, it did get him into jobs that really he had no right in being in. And he didn't do a good job really in any of them um you know montreal it didn't work out we know he said it was you know because of sort of family reasons and being so far and maybe that was the case but he wasn't exactly pulling up any trees the monaco job didn't go to plan i don't look at thierry Henry and think this guy um is is a top level coach and i don't listen to him as a pundit and think oh yeah you know you you've you've triggered something in my brain or you've told me something or given me something that I um you know I wouldn't have thought of myself and that's the kind of in when I talk to 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 sort of ex-footballers in my job and when I um when I go on talk sport you know when I'm on talk sport and I'm talking to to ex-players and stuff I want somebody to sit down and give me something that I couldn't have got to myself give me a conclusion give me a point give me a explanation around something that I wouldn't have got to myself. That's what I look for. I look for insight. I want something that's more than what the normal football brain is capable of. And just because you're a player, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to articulate that or give that. Yeah, you can give plenty of 
brilliant stories, I'm sure, and examples. But it doesn't always mean that what you say is gospel. And the other bit with Thierry Henry is that I can't seem to get past his relationship with Daniel Ek. Now, listen, I'm not a massive fan of the Cronkies, okay? I think that they've been better of late, and I think that we'll learn a lot this summer about where their sort of ambitions are based on how they back Mikel Arteta, particularly if we do get Champions League qualification. But Daniel Ek was never going to get the club. Daniel Ek was never going to have the wealth to tempt some of the richest people in the world to sell this football club. And if he did, if he did manage to get the club, would he have then had the wealth and the funds and the resource to then take it to the next level? I'm not sure. You know, we'll never know that. We'll never be sure about that. But I'll tell you what. Thierry Henry aligned himself with Daniel Ek, like really closely. Like, you know, Patrick Vieira and Dennis Bergkamp were said to be involved in that whole thing as well. And, and Patrick Vieira's got other things to worry about now. He's gone on and he's, he's become a manager. And, and obviously, um, at the time where his involvement in this was, was being reported, he wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't uh, in management. Now he's the Crystal Palace manager and he's doing a very, very good job there. And you have to give him praise and you have to give him credit. Dennis Burkamp has always been, since hanging up his boots, even during his playing career, someone who keeps himself to himself and very rarely speaks and very rarely gets involved in these things. But Thierry Henry, and, and remember this, right, made a conscious decision to leave Arsenal's coaching setup to, to pursue a career in punditry, to pursue a career at Sky Sports. And these comments that he made regarding William Saliba were made working for Amazon in France. Um, and and they, to me, stunk of a pundit trying to create a, a soundbite. That's what it felt like. And when you look at it, actually, what he's saying, I mean, let's let's look at the comments exactly, right? Let's um let me bring up the comments for you um exactly. Now, obviously, they've been uh, translated from French. But this is what he said. I think it's a real shame. They didn't even let him make a mistake. They didn't even let him make a mistake. This is an Arsenal side that Thierry Henry insists if they don't finish in the top four will be a complete and utter failure. And now you're critical of the manager for not trusting in someone, putting his faith in someone who might make a mistake. Every player makes mistakes, of course. But can you see how this is hypocritical? Like on the one hand, you're saying, no, nothing better, nothing less than fourth is acceptable for this huge, great football club. Yet you're expecting a manager to be experimental and give people uh, an environment or create for people an environment where they can, where they, you, you're quite confident that they're going to make costly mistakes. He said he was sent away without even being able to make a mistake. He didn't have the chance to prove himself. What he's doing here is extraordinary. And he was rewarded with a selection for the France team. Completely agree. What he's doing at Marseille has been good. And he wouldn't have got the opportunity to showcase that had he been at Arsenal. He wouldn't have been called up for the French national team if he was a bit part player at Arsenal. So you're basically proving everybody else's and Mikel Arteta's point that actually moving to Marseille has done the player the world of good. During that time that he's been at Marseille, he's taken his game up to another level and he's had a France call-up. That, for me, 
shows the loan to be positive, not negative. He says, now he belongs to Arsenal. I don't know where he will end up. We have seen that it was a little difficult for him to express himself on the subject. What I know is that he could have been in the Arsenal squad. I'm not Mikel Arteta, but I found it difficult for him. Anyway, he responded well, and that's the most important thing. So anyway, what I've said is a load of nonsense, but I've said it for effect. Um, and actually, he's done quite well, and, and, and that's the most important thing. So actually, it's all worked out. So what are you moaning about? <laughs> it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy, the need. And listen, I, I work in the media now. I see it all the time. People who are desperate, absolutely desperate to have something cut up and go viral of them. And and that feels to me like what we're seeing. You know, um, it, it, it doesn't make sense that Jid says, uh, translating that they didn't let him make a mistake. They didn't let him leave the club feeling bad about himself and like a failure because he made mistakes that led to him being loaned out. <laughs> I love that. Um, but look, at the end of the day, as I say, lots and lots of respect for Thierry Henry, the player, and for everything that he gave to this football club. But I don't understand why he feels like he needs to jab at the club all the time and jab at Mikel Arteta. Listen, is there a bit of bitterness there? Did he feel like if Daniel Ek had uh, managed to get hold of the club that he might be the manager? Um, does he feel like he's not been given the love from the football club in terms of what he, well, this is the thing though like he can feel that way maybe and then there can be a little bit of bitterness and resentment but at the end of the day Thierry Henry chose to leave he was given the option by uh, Monsieur Wenger you know do you want to be part of this club's coaching staff in which case you're not going to be a pundit as well because I don't want half-assed commitment or do you do you want to pursue a career in the media and he chose that he chose that. So what's his problem? I, I, I don't understand. Look, I just think, um, I just think at the end of the day, somebody like um, somebody like Thierry Henry, his words should be taken with a pinch of salt. Like he's entitled to his opinion, like everybody else, um, and and that's fine. But I hate when people then sort of jump on those comments and use them as as fuel to sort of. Um, you know, to sort of build their attack on Mikel Arteta, who is on course, and he hasn't done it yet, but is on course to achieve what Thierry Henry said he should achieve. And why are you on his back? And why are you trying to make him look worse? Why are you trying? Has he made mistakes with some players? Yeah, he has. Of course he has. Did Thierry Henry not make any mistakes? Yes, he bloody did. He made loads. Um, and that's why he's not in a job. And that's why he's standing there talking for Amazon Prime. He tried management. So there's not an argument that says that he didn't want to do it or that he doesn't want to do it. He tried it. So, um, you know, it, it didn't work out for him. And I think those in glass houses should not throw stones. Simple as that. So, um, yeah, love the player, love the man. But as a pundit, I'm not interested. Honestly, I'm not interested in in. 90% of what he has to say because I don't find it engaging. I don't find it um, different. I don't find it educating. I just find it um, a lot of the time to be the stuff that um, that punditry feels like it's becoming. Like 
you know, I, I saw like a, a mate of mine tweeted yesterday that, that Roy Keane is a great pundit. Um, and I was like, why? Because he because he rants, because he says, this is Manchester United four or five times a show because he talks about stuff that resonates with with certain fans. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like, I think he's great entertainment value, but that's exactly what it, that's what I take it as entertainment value. I don't sit there and listen to Roy Keane and go, oh yeah, that's a great bit of insight. That's a great bit of tactical analysis. There's a great bit of, um, you know, of punditry. I think that this guy's going to blow off his lid and it's going to be funny and yeah, let's watch it. And, and a lot of people want that in a pundit. That's what they want. But for me, punditry is about, breaking down a game in a way that I couldn't. That's what I want to see. And, and and I think that we veered away from that. I think this whole clickbait culture, I think this whole, um, you know, desire for, for outrage and to see people losing their minds and losing their shit is, drives all this and fuels all this. And there wouldn't be a market for it if people didn't respond to it. So there's obviously people out there um, who love it and there's people out there who who want that. But for me personally, it's it's not my cup of tea. Okay, um, that's enough about Thierry Henry, who we've established is a, a wonderful footballer, was a wonderful football player and somebody that we all adore and still do adore, but as a pundit, not for me. And um, and this constant sort of taking aim at Arsenal, I, I don't really get it, um, if I'm honest. Look, if we, had, if we fail and have a miserable season, by all means, go for it. Um, but um, let's, not, uh, let's not pretend... Um, you know, that the, the, there's a justification for hammering Mikel Arteta at the moment because there isn't. Okay, let's um, let's move on then. Let's quickly uh, touch on uh, Roman Abramovich, who, according to reports, um, is, uh, is trying to get his £1.6 billion pounds, uh, loan to Chelsea Football Club back uh, in the shape of the sale. This is incredible because... Chelsea fans' his justification for singing his name after um, what he was found to be involved in and, and all of that was that this guy loves our football club. And look, look, if he didn't, he wouldn't be willing to sign off £1.6 billion worth of debt uh, owed to him by the football club. What a man. He's a saint. He's taken Chelsea to wonderful heights. And I agree that he took Chelsea to wonderful heights. But when you know where the money was coming from and what it was supporting and why he he had the sort of control and power that he did, then all of a sudden you don't feel so great about it. Now, I don't blame Chelsea fans for that. I don't blame Chelsea fans for not being completely um, aware of, of all of this. A lot of us weren't totally aware of the details. A lot of us had a feeling and, and had an, an inkling that all the money wasn't from sort of legitimate sources and legitimate businesses and all of that. Fine. But this part now about um you know him wanting his money back it's because he's realized he's not going to get anything from the sale which he knew from the day he was sanctioned right so now he's trying to find a way to wriggle out of it and come away from this with something he's trying to find a way um to get some money diverted into some accounts that he does have a link to and and does have a a say in and this is proof that roman abramovich isn't the I love Chelsea guy that 
some people sort of wanted to portray him as. He's somebody who's a ruthless businessman. How many of us would walk away from £1.6 billion owed to us? I certainly wouldn't. So I don't blame him in that sense. Like, I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. But it does, I think, for Chelsea fans, probably feel like a bit of a kick in the balls, given that they've defended him um, in a lot of ways. Not crossing the line defending him. I've got to be honest. Like, I think a lot of Chelsea fans that I know and have spoken to and have worked with have been quite fair in their analysis of this. Look, it's not right. And he should be sanctioned and he should be punished. We just hope that our football club doesn't go down with it. Um, but I think even those who were sort of on the fence about it or were sort of semi-defensive of Roman Abramovich will feel like this is a bit of a betrayal, uh, betrayal now. But what do we care? Chelsea in the mud. Anyway, um, let's move on. Uh, what else have we got? Um, let's talk a little bit, just quickly, before we go on to some questions about Villarreal and Liverpool's uh, Champions League semi-final second leg last night. Um, well, at least now that Villarreal are out, we don't have to listen to the should Arsenal have sacked Unai Emery talk anymore. I mean, why that agenda was being regurgitated was beyond me. I mean, every, there wasn't a single Arsenal fan at the time that Emery um, was... Um, was sacked that thought, oh my God, we've we've been knee-jerk here. What are we doing? This is wrong. I think all of us felt that it was time that he moved on. All of us felt that it wasn't working. All of us could see with our own eyes that it wasn't working. And ever since Villarreal dumped Bayern Munich out of the Champions League, there's been that talk doing the rounds. Should we have kept him? Should we not? Blah, 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 blah. I'm sick of it. Unai Emery's side gave it a good crack against Liverpool. You can't deny that, okay? I thought that they were out. They were dead and buried after the first leg. And credit to them, they took a two-goal lead into half-time. The atmosphere at La Ceramica, as it's now known to me, it'll always be El Madrigal, uh, was incredible. Um, they were right up for it. You could see that they were motivated. But at the end of the day, the quality of Liverpool shone through. And they turned it on when they needed to. And they managed to score three goals in the second half and completely turned the game on its head. Now, one thing that drives me mad about Unai Emery and did drive me mad about Unai Emery when he was Arsenal boss, was his obsession with persisting with people that just aren't at the level. Um, that just aren't at the level that is um, that is required. You know, you look at Geronimo Rulli, the, the Villarreal goalkeeper. Horrible goalkeeper. He's awful. When we played them in the semi-final of the Europa League last season, I came away from that game talking about what a poor goalkeeper I thought he was. And he hugely let down Villarreal last night. But you've got Sergio Asenio on the bench. Now, I don't know what he hasn't played in a long time. I haven't seen much of him recently. Um, but I remember his brief spell at Atletico Madrid. And in my mind, that would be a better option. But, you know, it's Unai's sometimes obsession with detail. And it's good to be in on the detail as a manager most of the time, but sometimes you can overcook and you can overthink things. And I think that his obsession with what Geronimo Rulli is capable with at his feet blinds him to what he is as a goalkeeper, you know, letting balls go through him. And, and he's just, he's just not a good enough goalkeeper. And, um, and yeah, I, I don't know if it was, um, I don't know if it was Liverpool really up in it at the start of the second half or Villarreal just choosing to drop off a little bit and maybe be a little bit more cautious in that second period, having pulled the game back level. 
but the the pendulum just completely swung. So again, I'm not digging out Unai Emery because he's gone on an incredible run in the Champions League with this Villarreal side, Europa League winners last time out as well. Um, so fair play to him. He's done an excellent job in the European competitions, but their league form is not anything like what would be acceptable at Arsenal Football Club. And the same problems that we've seen with Unai Emery at Emirates Stadium were on display last night um, and have been on display domestically throughout the course of the season. So I wanted Villarreal to go through. Of course I did. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just in a way, I'm, I'm glad that we don't have to hear people talking about that anymore because or that it will at least die down for a while because it's a really tiresome conversation. Uh, let's just go over to the chat. Look, we're going to take some of your questions um, in just a second. Um, so uh, start popping them in the chat. And please do pop a cue at the beginning of them. It just makes it easier for me to pick them out from the crowd. Uh, Crypto Nerd says, I like you, Harry, but you're too biased on Arteta, mate. No, I'm I'm not. Um, I'm not too biased on Arteta. He says, you're sick of anything anti-Arteta. It's not that I'm sick of anything anti-Arteta. It's that I don't see what business Thierry Henry has slating the club all the time. Yes, he's a pundit, but I don't really hear Jamie Carragher laying into Liverpool when they're on course to achieve what everybody expects them to achieve. I don't hear other sort of pundits really sticking the boot in. Now, you can say that you don't think it was fair um, or, or you thought that or, or you think that William Saliba has gone to Marseille and done a very good job and perhaps has proven himself worthy of being in Mikel Arteta's squad. And, um, and you know, I'm, it didn't work out, but I'm interested to see what um, the future holds for him. That that's a you can say that you don't think it was right the way it was handled before, and you can, but it's it always feels like a, an underhanded cheap shot from Thierry Henry when it comes to Arsenal these days, and it just drives me crazy. And I'd say the same thing about anybody. If Mikel Arteta finishes in the top four this season, he will have surpassed everybody's expectations this season, even our own. And so, where is the where is the um, the justification in going after him? on something that um, that has proven to be a good decision because of Saliba's development in the meantime. That's that's my opinion on it. And look, I don't I don't really care if people think that I'm um that um that I'm pro Arteta. I am pro Arsenal's manager who's doing a good job at the moment. Yeah I am. I'm not afraid or ashamed to say that. I do want to see Arsenal get back to where they want to be. And the first step in that is getting back in the Champions League. And we're in fourth place at the moment with three, four games to go. How can I sit here and, and, and be overly critical of the manager? I can have my say on certain decisions and say whether I thought it was right or wrong. But what's the point in sticking the boot in on somebody who's doing a better job than any of us expected him to do? So, you know, I'm not. Yeah. All right. I'm pro Arteta. So what? Um, he's the Arsenal boss. Anyway, uh, let's take another short, short pause and then we're going to tackle some of your questions for the last sort of 15 minutes of the show. Cheers. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna. Right, let's take some of your questions. John says, did everyone get the safe standing email? I filled mine out. What's your thoughts on safe standing, Harry? I'm going to talk about this in detail on the episode that we're going to do later on today. So I'm not going to go into this one now, but I have got the email um, and I will fill it in today as well. Um, and then I will uh, I will feed back and give you guys my thoughts on it. But in a nutshell, I'm, I'm in favour of it. Where I am at Emirates Stadium anyway, 
we stand throughout the game anyway. So why not make it safer um, for people to do so? So, yeah, um, I'm for it. Uh, but we'll go into that in a little bit more detail on the next episode as well. We'll be discussing some of the uh, the reports and some of the, the, the answers that came out of the fans forum. Uh, Alex says, uh, one for summer. Uh, what do you think or how big do you think our transfer budget will be if we make the UCL and if not. So I'm quite confident that our transfer budget is going to be significant regardless because I do feel like the club, whether you agree with it or not, are all in on Mikel Arteta and are all in on this project. So I think we're probably looking at around about 120, 150 million pounds. I think that if we get in the Champions League, I don't think that that's going to be like oh, well, now let's go and spend an extra £100 million. I don't think it's going to be that significant because of the financials that we've seen the club put out over the last couple of years. I do think the plan will be relatively similar, uh, regardless of whether we're in the Champions League or the Europa League. But obviously, it gives the club that little bit more security. And I guess it puts the club in a position where they can go, OK, yeah, I feel a bit more comfortable about this now. And, and you know, if we do need to stretch that little bit extra to get one of our targets, then perhaps they'll be more open to do so. In fact, I'm sure they'd be more open to do so with Champions League football um, looming. Uh, Zeus says, shouldn't we upgrade first team players instead of backup players? I think we need to do a bit of both, mate. I, I really do. I think that where there are upgrades available, you need to go and get them. So we need a first team striker. Um for me, we need another midfielder that is capable of coming in and out of the first team. Um, you know, I'm I'm okay with Xhaka and Partey at the moment, but I want someone else who's going to push them both, who's going to give them competition and who I'd be happy to see starting week in, week out as well. So I want to see a bit of both there. Um, Amira says, why do people look at loans like they're such a bad thing? It's meant to develop a player. Look how well Conor Gallagher's doing on loan. Saliba's doing the same but in a league that's more forgiving. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think loans are always a bad thing. Um, I think that there's a bit of frustration around Saliba because of how much we paid for him and how long ago we paid it. People are now saying, well, if this guy's not done it yet, then is he going to do it? And why isn't he being given the chance? But as I say, um, if he comes back a better player and has had the exposure and the experience that he wasn't going to get last season or this season under Mikel Arteta, then why not send him out on loan? Uh, what else have we got? Uh, gonna take a couple more of uh, no, more than a couple. I'll take a few more. We've got around about 10 15 minutes to go. Um, let's take as many of these as we possibly can. Um, Henry Gunnar says, I'm pro Arteta and very proud of it. Basically, I'm an Arsenal fan, exactly that. I mean, I think things have got to get you know, there, there does come points as a fan where you look at the manager and you go, Oh just move on. Like, it's not working. You know, I'm, I'm fed up with this. Like, just, you know, just get out. You know, I'm done. Um, and and we need... And then you don't become anti-Arsenal. You become sort of someone who feels that the manager should be changed or moved on from. And, and that's okay as well. But I... And, and listen, had we... If we finish outside of the European places this season, which is what a lot of us thought was a realistic expectation, then I'd understand... The, the negativity to Mikel Arteta. You're never going to have a manager that you agree with every single decision he makes. I didn't agree with a lot of the decisions that Arsene Wenger made, but overall, I still adored him. I still loved him. I still thought that he was good for the club right up until the last few years. 
Um, and I still look back on his achievements very fondly. And he's given me some of the best footballing memories I'll probably ever have in my life. So you can disagree with certain elements and certain decisions without overall thinking that someone's bad for the football club. And if Mikel Arteta takes a side with the youngest um, average age in the Premier League most weekends this season, with having to patch up the team in the final decisive stages with the likes of Elneny and Holding and Nketiah, then you have to give the guy his dues. And I don't understand the reluctance from some people to do that. Um, <laughs> Vinny Eagle, I like this one. Uh, should we give stewards tasers so that they can physically able fans uh, give fans a jolt when they don't sing and add to the atmosphere at the stadium. Do you know what? This is funny because, like, I'm a massive moaner about the atmosphere. Like, I'm one of those people that would be like, oh, come on, like, get behind the team, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes I'm in, in, in the sort of middle of a game and I'm so nervous and I'm so tense. I felt like this against West Ham the other day and at Stamford Bridge and against Man United where I'm so tense that I can't, like, I can't sing. I feel like singing takes my focus away. And if I take my focus away and we concede, it might be my fault. Like, I'm really superstitious like that. So, for example, at Chelsea, I didn't celebrate until we scored the fourth goal, really. I gave it a little fist pump and the usual and a clap and whatever. When the fourth goal went in, I lost my mind. And lots of you will have seen that picture of me um, after Granit Xhaka scored that banger against Manchester United as well, losing my shit. And that's what I do. Like I build it up over a game and and then when that sense of relief comes about you, when you know that you've won it or you know that that's a goal that probably signifies the final nail in the coffin for your opponent, you do explode and that's how I am. Um, so I admit, sometimes you'll probably see me at Emirates Stadium, you'll look over and you'll see me sort of standing there like as if I'm a manager like this, with my arms folded, hands on my chin. I've got this really stupid habit lately of, of like twisting my beard as I'm watching as well out of nervousness. Um, what game was it? I came home from a game. I think it was West Ham. I came home from a game and my missus goes to me, why is your beard all twisted? Like I, I, because I'd been doing this throughout the game. And obviously I hadn't looked in a mirror. I didn't even realise. But like, yeah, I've got a lot of stupid, weird habits. And sometimes I'm a little bit quiet because I am so engaged and so tense. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Ogochukwu says, when will you do another live phone? And we'll get another one in next week. I keep saying that I want to do them more regularly and I really, really do. It's just sometimes as, as you guys will know, um, being a freelancer, sometimes shit comes up at the last minute and you can't always commit to stuff. And I hate that because I'd, I'd love to be in a place where I only had to focus on the Chronicles of Aguna and only, had to work on this and, and all my days were shaped and built around this. Maybe we'll get there one day, but at the moment um, it's not the case. And so, you know, it's, it's difficult always to commit to things. I do try and stick to a schedule as much as possible. Like you'll find the press reviews normally at 11. Um, if we do a daytime podcast, it's normally about uh, 1230. If we do a late show, a late stream, it's normally 5 PM UK time. Um, and, um, and and yeah, so I try to be as regimented as possible, but unfortunately, it's not always possible. But I will keep you guys, um, of course, updated on social media and via um, via the uh, YouTube community tab as well. Uh, big thank you to Eli for your kind words, mate. 
uh, really, really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> Robert Segal says, at West Ham, I sang, but that result wasn't safe for me until I knew the players were back on the bus after the game. Until I came home and like refreshed my phone and checked the score was good then. I didn't really let go. But yeah, I know what you mean. Um, Jid says, what will us early subscribers get for always spreading the word and smashing the likes? Congrats on 20K. Thank you so, so much, mate. Um, do you know what? I was thinking about, like, where are you based, Jid? Let me know. Um, I was thinking about doing some sort of event, man. Um, like inviting some people down, um, some guests down, and we can have a chat and we can do like a live sort of thing. Um, a bit like what we did at the Hippodrome. I'd like to get those guys involved as well because they're all brilliant too um, and organise something with with you guys at the centre of it. That would be great. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of things we can do. And, um, and as I've mentioned, because we got to 20K before the season was out, which was what my... No, actually, let me rephrase. So my goal was by the start of next season... So by the start of the, the campaign kicking off, I wanted to be on 20K and we're there already. So I promised that I would give away a, an additional Arsenal shirt and the new kit comes out on May 19th, I believe. So I will get one of those and I will um, pick a random winner. We're going to pick one member uh, winner and we're going to pick one who's not a member. So we'll give two shirts away, um, which... Um, which will be nice uh, for a couple of you. Uh, Robert also says, anyone else getting... Uh, both nervous and excited for this weekend isn't just about our game. Yeah, it, it isn't just about our game, is it? And and that's the big thing here. Like, I feel like we've kind of got really sort of carried away by the idea of Spurs losing at Liverpool. And there's this tiny part in my brain that's like, oh, no, like they could, Liverpool could mess this up. Like, I know that I didn't want Liverpool to go through in the Champions League, but I think actually it's probably better that they're not on a downer going into that game. Um, so yeah, I guess every cloud and all that has a silver lining. You know the, you know the drill. Um, UK random seventy eight. Big hello to you, Kiri mate. How you doing? Um, he says an event would be awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll sort something out. I'll have a good think. Um, lots of you are quite locally based at uh, craig says he'd be up for coming to london for a chronicles event brilliant um ftl good and craig says harry can you send me your address so i can mail dm me on twitter or something and i'll, I'll put it there i'm, I'm not going to put it on here because uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people uh that will probably start sending me uh stuff that i don't want to receive but yeah um yeah let me know mate uh, some send me a dm on either instagram or or, or twitter or something and i'll I'll let you know. No problem. Uh, what else have we got? Um, oh, class. It's for a uh, Fort Lauderdale Gooners chapter scarf when they come in. Yes, please do, mate. Uh, I would love that. And we can um, we can uh, we can definitely uh, put that up on the uh, in the background as well. It'd be great. Uh, big hello to Nikomo as well. Um <laughs> a couple of comments that i can't read out uh on this uh on this show on this channel um pedro says uh, get rory jennings for the event chelsea fan but speaks a lot of sense and loves what arsenal are doing uh yeah i'm a good friend of, of rory's as well so 
yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. I'll probably have a word with him. Right, listen, we're going to leave it there because we've been running for the best part of an hour. And we are going to be back later on today with another episode in which we'll be reacting to some of the fans forum stuff. We'll be taking more of your questions, more of your thoughts and uh, whatever else crops up uh, in the media over the course of the day. We might even start to look ahead to the weekend a little bit as well. Uh, so lots and lots to talk about as always. But we'll be back very, very soon with more. Thank you to every single one of you uh, for tuning in. I haven't even asked you to hit the like button, have I? Or, or have I? I think I probably have. I do it automatically now. Uh, but look, there's there's over 300 of you watching right now across the multiple platforms. 102 likes on the board. Let's try and get it up to 150 by the time the outro plays. Thank you all so much for your continued support. I'll catch you all later at the Arsenal. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.